everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the SBK Betting Podcast, the last betting podcast of August. It's the 31st of August and that's it. The summer is over. As I look out my window, I, rain coming down. It's definitely autumnal feeling. And uh, I think the York Ebor Festival sort of caps off that sort of real summer feel. And it, although it was a bit of a struggle to find winners, uh, the double nap winner for myself and Ross in Relief Rally definitely put a smile on both of our faces. Uh, winning at nine to four, uh, which uh, I think was very, very, very good value. And a filly who was very much um, a class above, I think, the rest of them. Um, didn't go that straightforward for her, but she's a tough, genuine little filly. Um, a very, very good two-year-old, Ross. And I think that William Haggis's comments after the race about just making hay while the sun shines with this with this horse is, is bang on. She's um, she, she is delivering and some for her connections, and it's, it's, it's great to watch. Yeah, she, I just absolutely love her. I love everything about her. I mean, eight. Hey- you like horses that win you a few quid, don't you? But she's just got that electric turn of foot, that absolute will to win. And and I, I love relationships between people and horses. And, and it's clear to see that Tom Marcond absolutely loves the loves her to death. Um, they said France next, maybe Cheveley Park, maybe both. Um, I, I'm going to be with her for the rest of the season. You know, at some point, maybe this, 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 you know, sort of campaign will catch up with her, but she seems to be thriving on racing. And like you say, you know, she, it all went wrong at York had to switch out they all got first run on her and she picked them up and she was winning easily you know at, at the death I think she's a, a wonderful filly and been really well campaigned by um by connections yeah certainly has it'll be interesting to see come more autumn time whether the softer ground might just play against her considering she's she's small enough by Kodiak and she just looks like she would rather top of the ground type of um, conditions so yeah that might just um, just make it a little bit harder for her but she's done nothing wrong so far this season and as we say was probably my highlight for the week where to struggle TC um in terms of the e-ball, it was uh, the Frankie Dottori show, the Frankie Dottori day in general. I, I've kind of ran out of superlatives for Frankie. Um, you know, even as much as you can you can love or hate this uh, retirement tour, he's he's really nailing it, isn't he? Yeah, everything seems to be going right for Frankie in the last few months. Uh, obviously, we want that to be the case. We want Frankie to go on a high, and it gives a fantastic narrative for the likes of ITV racing TV or Sky Sports Racing, wherever he's riding, um, to be able to just say, Frankie's won this race again. He's going out on a high. Look at Mr. Dottori. He's the best we've ever seen. Um, look, he was good on Absurd. I actually think he went for home a bit too soon. So the horse kind of got him out of a bit of, a bit of trouble. Um, but let's not take anything away from him. And also, he shortened up Yashin at the top of the straight, my selection. So I am a bit, uh, a bit frustrated about that still. Um, personally, I think Sweet William was the best horse in the race in hindsight. He just couldn't get the job done. But he was a very short price, Jess. Mm, he was. Sweet William got very warm beforehand, but I think he ran a, a big race considering that they were slightly nervous. And I think on this podcast, fair to say, we didn't know if he was he was ready for that kind of battle, but he's definitely probably turned into a bit of a man after taking on that race. But that was York and the Ebor Festival. Um, we're looking ahead now to this weekend, where it was quite a weekend. Um, the Irish Champions Festival coming up 
not this weekend, the weekend after, will be mouthwatering. And we've got a lot of Group 1s, some excellent racing. So I think a little bit of a lull before that, but we've got some betting races that we want to take through. We're going to take you through two group races, one for um, the older fillies and one for the two-year-olds, um, both coming at Sandown. The Atalanta Stakes is first up um, that we're going to look at. This is a Group 3 over a mile. Now, the going at the moment at Sandown is good to firm, but where I am, there is a lot of rain, not too far away from San Ana at all. Um, likely that they're going to continue to have rain throughout the rest of today. So I wonder if that might change things. And we know that Sandown can be affected quite quickly by going changes. So this might just shake up this race a little bit. Um, and we've got some likeable fillies that deserve, um, you know, this group group three uh, to their CV. You know, it's very important for their resume for black type going forward. Um, Coppice, it represents John and Daly Gosden. And interestingly, Frankie isn't riding this weekend in um, the UK and Kieran Schumark will take the ride. Is that telling for things to come? Well, there's been a lot of conversation in the press about whether Kieran Schumark will be uh, the first jockey come Frankie's um, departure from um, race riding. So quite a notable uh, jockey booking here, whereas uh, Rab Hablim is on Queen For You, the second string, um, a horse that he knows uh, very well. Heredia is in this field, coming back off a good win in a listed race last time. Um, Midnight Mile, very likable filly for Richard Fahey is within this as well. And we've got the sort of, the ones that you always could have rely on seeing in these kind of fillies races the likes of Potapova and Purple Pay and Roman Mist. Um, Tom, is there anything in here that you feel is sort of getting to a point where a group three of this nature is sort of within their realms or do you think it's a bit like seeing some of those sprinters week after week where you sort of one of them will win but you know it could be a different result the, the next week? Uh, just to coin a cliche, I, I feel like this race, if you ran it 10 times, you get numerous different winners and you wouldn't get the same horse winning every time. It's an exciting race in terms of punting, but it's not an exciting race in terms of the horses involved. Uh, it's a wide open market and rightly so. So Michael Stout has won the race six times in his career, which is the most of any trainer. So you have to take note of his runner, which is Potapova, the returning champion. He won this 12 months ago, very impressively as well. Didn't even really come off the bridle to win. However, she's been super below par in three runs this term. She pulled up a Goodwood on her reappearance. Okay, it was bottomless ground. She doesn't want that. Uh, maybe there are excuses as to why she underperformed then. She finished fifth next time, which was a middling effort. And then last time up, she also filled the same berth in fifth. But she took a big step back in the right direction. I just don't trust her enough to back Potapova in this race. But you have to fear her, given to Michael Stout's record. I think Heredia should be vying for favouritism or favourite in this race off the back of a really impressive victory in the Dick Hearn last time up. I actually tipped the reopposing Purple Pay in that race that day. I thought she ran great to finish second, but she was no match for Heredia. If Heredia repeats that performance, then she'll probably win. Uh, but again, she's going to be pretty short in this race and it's a wide open heat. So I decided to look elsewhere and I've developed a soft spot for Midnight Mile. And given there is rain around, but she's also versatile and can handle quicker conditions, I think she's got the perfect profile for this race. Um, she developed into a really nice two-year-old last year. She won the oh-so-sharp stakes on a second start before going over to the Breeders' Cup for the Juvenile Phillies Turf, where she finished fourth. She was drawn a stall for 12 that day. Anytime you're wide uh, at the Breeders' Cup, in any course, really, uh, you're going to struggle. She showed no early speed, dropped right at the back and closed late to fourth behind Meditate. It was a really good effort. Her first two runs this year have been subpar, but then she bolted up at York, um, where she basically one pulling a cart and then last time up I thought she ran very well against the boys only beaten by Al Arzi and finished third um, she just went for home too soon 
I don't think it was the most efficient ride. And actually, I feel like she would have been a lot closer to the winner and the second that day if she was just held on to a little bit longer. So I'll take Midnight Mile now that she's back against the girls in this race. Yeah, I agree with you. I have a soft spot for her as well. She's my selection. She's got a wonderful story. I think it was that her her dam nearly died giving birth to her. There was something along those lines where, you know, she was a bit of a miracle foal and she's done really, really well. And I do, I think that performance at the Breeders' Cup um, just goes to show how tough and game she is and she really deserved that victory at York and totally agree that um, that third behind Alazi was a, a very good run indeed. She's also a three-year-old so she's got nine ones. So she gets what is it, five pounds from her elders which you know goes a long way I think. Sometimes conditions of races means that it doesn't really mean much but five pounds is a significant amount here for a race of this nature and I'm with you TC with Mid- Midnight Mile. Um, Ross, we have seen, as TC has said, um, going back years, that it, it can be an open enough affair. Potipova was 18 to 1 when she won this last year. Um, bigger prices all the way through. There's a handful of winning favourites. I think it just goes to show that I think Phillies, and we know Phillies well, when they want to turn up and they want to be in the right mood, they can be very, very good. But who is it going to be? Well, I think you, you hit your, the nail on the head when you gave your assessment of this race at the beginning. You used the word likeable. And that's generally when there's not anything particularly smart in here. We call them we call them likable, and I think I think you've think you've covered it there. Um, I agree with TC. I mean, I think Heredia is an obvious one, but she's a frustrating horse to, to, to punt because the way she's ridden does mean she needs luck in running. Um, and I think she's she's flattered to deceive on a on a couple of occasions, um, and she's zero from two in this grade last year, and they they were winnable contests for her. I thought um, so just at the price I could pass her over. Same with Coppice. I mean, she, she was well beaten up to, to Group 1 class last time at Ascot, but she'd been really impressive in handicaps. You mentioned Kieran Schumacher. There has been a lot of chat. And he's a really intelligent guy and a really nice rider, but I don't think he's been at it this month. He's two from 38. I don't think he was particularly smart on Epictetus at uh, Goodwood last week. I just wonder whether, you know, at some point you need to get the monkey off his back that this chat is just adding a bit of pressure for me. Um, Again, price I can look her over. Potipova was was really good in this last year, but she's looked like a shadow of the horse in four runs since. So I've actually gone with with a filly that is in good form. She's two from two, um, albeit only in in novice company. But as you just said, filly's in a fine vein of form. Stick with them until they prove otherwise. And that's Nebris Angel. Um, She's been really impressive over seven furlongs twice um, at at, uh, at Lingfield and then at Thirsk. At Thirsk last time, she was way too keen. Didn't really handle the left-handed bend all that well because she was keen. Still found bundles at the back end and and sort of scooted clear and stayed on really well. Um, she's even with the five-pound age allowance, she's probably got upwards of seven pound to find. But that's very possible, particularly if a slightly better grade of race means they go astride quicker and she's able to settle. Um, Ishmael Mohammed is a trainer that is consistently overlooked you know when he's got the the tools he can do the job she's 25 to 1 um she'll light the ground um even if they get a bit of cut and and i don't think there's going to be an awful lot of rain now friday saturday i just think she comes here in a in a great vein of form when many above her don't um 25 to 1 just seemed far too big for me for a horse that we just don't know how good she could be yeah i don't know and i wonder whether tcr resident trends and stats man would know the last horse to have come into this off the back of just two novice wins and and to win it shaking his head disappointing what have we got you here for 
And I, um, I can only apologise, Jess. I can only apologise. But no, I think that's pretty difficult to, to know so quickly. And normally you've got a, a filly that's been tried at um, at least handicap level before giving this a go, but got a rating of 91. So she's clearly um, regarded by the handicapper at least to be at Pat and Company. But she's the outsider of the lot at, uh, well, she'd be one of the outsiders of the lot, you'd imagine, maybe around 25 to 1, you'd think. Um, we'll see how she gets on here. So good luck to um, Nibris Angel with Ishmael Mohammed and Benoit de la Sayette, who, talking of John and Thady Goldston riders, you know, maybe they aren't giving him all those top opportunities right now. But there have been times in the past where I remember Epsom that John Gosden um, compared his ride on, I remember it was the handicap on one of the last races of the day, Lester Piggott-esque, but maybe he's just too early into his career to give him some of the bigger chances. But Benoit is the one that I, I had assumed was going to be um, sort of waiting in the wings at the uh, at Clarehaven, but we'll see. Um, a lot of pressure for anyone to take over from what Frankie's been doing at present, but that's the Atalanta Stakes. Uh, myself and TC... Um, we'll be backing Midnight Mile and Ross, as mentioned just then, Nibris Angel. And we go from the from the Atalanta Stakes at 2.25 to the 3.38, which is the Solarius Stakes over seven furlongs. One in the past by two Don Hot, Massa. Um, last year, it was Silver Knot who ran a big race in the Breeders' Cup after this. Um, six runners line up. And I suppose if this is the best of our two-year-olds, then the Irish on the other side of the sea will not be quaking too much in their boots. I just think it's disappointing that this is the best of what we've got over this trip at this stage. Um, potentially, a lot of the, these horses of this ilk haven't really run yet, maybe. Um, but I think Ireland are standing head and shoulders above us in terms of the two-year, the strength and depth of the two-year-olds. Or maybe we've seen a lot of the good ones already. I just... I'm just not getting overexcited by this bunch, or am I wrong, Ross? You're the you're you're our juvenile expert. No, they they are absolutely miles ahead. I would think they're probably going to have the top ten rated two-year-olds by the end of the year. <laughs> probably eight of them, Aidan O'Brien's. Um, no, I mean Aidan O'Brien. You just go through it and you see some of the two-year-olds you've still got left to run. He has just got, and he has it every year. But this this year, they just seem to all be doing what they're. What they're bred to do. Um, this this is a a weak enough contest. Um, all through the week, I was looking at the forecast and hoping the rain would come because I'm a big fan of Devil's Point. I think he's got a huge engine. He'd be a really nice three-year-old, but he's by New Bay. He's going to want cutting the ground. And I know it's pouring rain today. My forecast, and maybe you can correct me, but my forecast says dry tomorrow and dry Saturday. Given how firm it is now, I can't see that it's going to be certainly any any softer than good and i'm just not sure in this grade that would be soft enough for him but watch the weather if it comes soft he's he's definitely a player in this he's a really smart horse um star law is is interesting but again the michael stout yard form is still not all that and i just wonder given that uh, my conclusion was given the way michael Trout, stout trains them to, to come forward just wonder whether he's going to be able to get down and get dirty, which generally to win this, it does tend to be a sort of tough type that wins this. He might well prove to be the best of these in time, but I just wonder whether he's quite streetwise enough for it. Mortlake was really impressive at Leicester last time, um, but I'd be pretty convinced that the third horse, uh, individualism, uh, half rather subjectivist, was just way below form. And, and that was at a time when the Johnson Yard was struggling to, to find winners. Um, so actually, again, at a, at a bigger price, David O'Mara trained Cerulean Bay. Um, he's tough. He's uncomplicated. He's 
lowly rated, but he is definitely better than that. Um, he just got up uh, to win on debut at Hamilton over six furlongs, then went to, to Leicester uh, under a penalty and beat individualism, who was who was at it that day. He gave him seven pound uh, and, and a widening three quarters of a length margin at the end over seven furlongs. This is track's going to suit him down to the ground. Um, and I think that line of form, when individualism ran to his to his, about his level, albeit on debut, puts him close up against uh, Mortlach and and he's much much bigger price and he's just tough and he's just tenacious and i think he's in a, in a weak heat when you don't know an awful lot about them. i mean the godolphin horse could be anything of course but for me he's got the two runs behind him I guarantee he's tough he'll run to the line um and and you'll get a good price about him yeah my question was going to be about that form line with individualism surely mortlake ran a, a better race a stronger race behind the same horse so with the same horse behind him so that form stacks up in favor of mortlake cerulean bay is by new bay though so would you want rain for him too or do you think considering um uh, devil's point's got the pivotal dam side that makes him a really genuine soft ground horse with cerulean bay intercub man might not be so dependent yeah, on it yeah and he's proved himself on it you know he didn't he didn't look to, to struggle with with better ground last time and, and just to come back onto your point you mentioned it in coverage of the last race seven pound on a two-year-old is a is a big deal at, at this stage of their career so um yeah i just think that you know i completely get he's unfashioned he's a northern horse for starters he's a david omara two-year-old you don't get an awful lot of high class david omara two-year-olds but i think because of that he's going to be a much bigger price than he should be if if he was trained in Newmarket by a trainer of two-year-olds yeah you can see actually brian man who is a trainer of two-year-olds, but wouldn't be as fashionable as the likes of um, Rafe Beckett and David O'Mara and David Manuzia. Their horses are sort of at the latter stage of the the, the betting, whereas, um, and, you know, haven't done a huge amount wrong at all, um, but they're just, it's not as not as traditional to see them with these kind of two-year-olds in this race. And yeah, I think it's very noticeable this season that there have been less horses trying to back up a maiden win with the penalty in a novice. Um, trainers seem to be running scared of that a little bit and would rather test them in deeper waters off level weights than um, have to give weight away to a newcomer and, and, and block their copybook. So I think there haven't been that many who've been able to do it and Cerulean Bay is one of them. So um, he's already been tested with quite a tough ask at hand so uh, I think he's a, a fair shout here but you know the problem is it is a six runner race it's not really each way betting race at all um, I think you know Ross has hit a very good point about how far ahead Ireland are in terms of their two-year-olds and essentially Aidan O'Brien is but normally it is Charlie Appleby who can match it especially with breeding especially, especially with the pedigrees he has on offer in his barn but they just haven't been doing the job for whatever reason and it might not necessarily be the fact that the the, the horses aren't good enough but there's there's something not quite right in the yard you know everything just isn't ticking as they'd want to they've been the odd good very impressive looking two-year-old but there've been some real shockers at short prices and I think they would have been very disappointed if Abilan TC was beaten um because he was clearly fancied at debut to to go off at four to seven did he do enough for you to suggest that he's one of their best two-year-olds that they have yeah 100 percent. and I know everyone's downbeat about Charlie Appleby uh, this year and rightly so given how well he did last season his strike rate Last year was phenomenal. Everything he sent over to the US was winning. He was winning group ones, left, right and centre in the UK as well. It's very hard to stay at that level. And although he has disappointed with his horses so far this year, 
he is still striking at a reasonable strike rate compared to every other trainer that we're talking about. Obviously, compared to last year, he is below par. Charlie Ackley did an interview two weeks ago, and I, I just happened to watch it. I was just sat at home at the time, and he said it's been a pretty disappointing year, but he was notably uh, positive about his two-year-olds. He said, hopefully we can end the back end of the season with a couple of really nice two-year-olds, especially over seven furlongs to a mile, so that we can go into next year with some classic chances. Now, I think that quote, obviously I didn't say it word for word, um, is crucial because there's still a lot of hope there within the yard that they have some nice uh, young horses. And it's interesting, not only did Ablan run it in a novice race at Newmarket, first time up, that Charlie Appy has targeted for the last four years, winning it on all four occasions, including with Modern Games back in 2021. But he's also now the sole representative for Charlie Appy and Godolphin in the Solario stakes. It just seems like they have uh, real high aspirations for this horse, Ablan, and hopefully they'll come to fruition. Trends backers will note that Solario, the Solario stakes has been perfect for, um, for backing favourites. Seven of the last 10 have won. No horse bigger than four to one has also won the race uh, in the last decade. Now, you're probably thinking, God, what relevance has that got to this year? There's probably none, but trends are important and they do seem to continue to roll. So although Ross has made a good case for an outsider, I'm sticking to the market leaders. And although I also really liked Star Law ahead of his debut at Sandown, that was a race full of horses that were exceptionally well-bred, and he did it nicely. I echo what Ross says about Sir Michael Stout's form. I just can't be backing a stout horse right now, albeit Potipova interested me in the Atalanta. Starlight interested me as well in the Solario, but I just cannot back them with the, the horses not running, um, as we expect. Likes of Nostrum disappointing, albeit he was lame. And Passenger, the only winner for the yard in the last two weeks, and he got, got up on the line by a nose. Like, I don't know. It's, it's not convincing me at all, Jess. So... Ablan, for me, it's a race that Charlie Appleby likes to target. He's going to do well with the two-year-olds in the back end, I'm sure. I just think he should be favourite, and he's around 9-2. James Dawes on board. There's William Buick's at Chester. Would you think, would you have had more confidence if William Buick was at Sandown, knowing that this is, could be one of their best two-year-olds? No, I, I don't care. Uh, I really don't care. I think James Dawes is equally as good as William Buick, if not better, yeah. in my opinion. Um, if he goes to another track, that's absolutely fine with me. Yeah, no, my my point was really more that William Buick being first jockey, Charlie Appleby would want him on the best horses that are running that weekend, not because he's better or worse than James. That was just my slight thinking, and maybe military order is a more important horse, and he is running, he's coming back his long-awaited reappearance after his derby disappointment at Chester, but um, James is on Abilene. Um Okay, really interesting stuff there, and I have to say, I agree, I was very, very close to he was the last off my list really I think that he it was tough and gutsy I loved his attitude he got his head down they came very far clear of um, the fourth and the rest Whiskey Pete I'm not too sure how good he is but Magsud was very very impressive at Beverly when he won um, I think he's a high class horse and as I said those first three went ten lengths clear of the rest so I'm I would nearly there following in with you um, TC but I've just gone for Mortlake Ray Beckett can't do anything. It can't do anything wrong at the moment. You'll hear everyone is saying it. It's the it's the worst line that you could come up with at the moment. I'm sure his tide will turn a little bit, but it's just hard to knock how good a form the horses are in. And I think there's a um, a level of of confidence you can get behind that. And Ross Orion has been part of that winning combination as well. He's riding out of his skin. It's amazing that he's. I think he's ridden 122 winners this year. Um, he is miles clear of the next best in the stats table from a year 
from a year basis, but from a championship perspective, he is quite some way off William Buick. But he's done. He's just had an unbelievable year, year and he's riding it out of his skin. I think Mortlake um, clearly is. Uh, blossom from first race to second they gave him a month off and he did it really in the minimum of fuss um i felt like they have to give this a go um he's he's a horse that might not have as good a profiles in terms of pedigree wise as the others um but he's got one extra race in terms of uh his mindset and knowing where he is um compared to the other market leaders and from a market leader perspective he'd be the one that I would choose but it's not really a betting race for me um I would just go for Mortlake as a as as a yard and form and in a weak race he could take advantage of that so we've all got differing opinions Mortlake for me um Ablan for TC and Cerulean Bay for Ross but keep an eye on the on the rain if um it does fall um, Devil's Point as well um we chatted just before um we came on here saying that it was not the best weekend in terms of strength and depth of numbers um there is racing um all over the country as we always get tend to expect there's a bit of jump racing at newton abbott for you ross um i would hazard a guess that you don't i've, I've actually seen where your selections have come from so i uh, i'll let you do the i'll let you do the talking but um in all in all not the best weekends racing from a punting perspective no, it's it's probably a weekend where I'm going to try and earn a few brownie points back from uh, Mrs. Miller and get a few chores done around the around the place, ready for the upcoming uh, proper jumps season. So the nap and next best are on the flat. The nap is in the 3:55 at Chester. Uh, Roger Varian trained Jabara, was really impressive, albeit in a race that perhaps hasn't worked out that well at Newmarket on debut. Um, for, for racing TV, I do a, a winners in waiting. Uh, piece in my, in my juvenile watch column and I actually had her name written down on a pad because to me there was no way she was going to win she got all sorts of trouble switched off heels came around the pack and sprinted clear and actually won very readily um I just think Ascot was all too much for her. and if you remember the Roger Varian horses that week were all weak in the market and she was no exception she was notably weak in, in the market at Royal Ascot didn't really run a race then went and uh, ran in the Sweet Solera last time and didn't run badly, but I don't think she stays seven furlongs. I mean, after her debut win, I, I would have had a dropping back in trip, the speed she showed. Um, had a bit of a break now, freshened up, goes back in grade, back in trip to Chester, sharp track, speed track. Um, I think she'd be way too good for these. So I think Jabaro and uh, David Egan will win the 3.55 at Chester. And then the next best comes back to Sandown. And it's a little horse I really like. He's a bit of a monkey. He certainly was last year uh, for Rod Millman. Safari Dream. Um, he did win three on the bounce last year, including two at Sandown, um, which uh, confirmed his, his liking for this track, having been second on, on his debut. Um, he was a bit of a boy. He was often sort of um, there or thereabouts and probably should have won more than he did last year. He was gelded in the autumn. I was looking forward to seeing him come back and he's just not quite hit the heights yet. He came back with two good runs, um, finishing third and then perhaps ran a bit below himself at York last time. But he comes back to his his favourite track, back on good ground. Oshin Murphy jumps on um, and is a notable booking. When he, when Rod Millman and Oshin Murphy team up, they're, they're to be feared. Um, he won't be favourite. I think he'll like this track again. And I think he'll get back to, to winning ways for a really shrewd operation. 
Yeah, two horses that I really like. Jabara, I thought that she had the world at her feet when she won first time out, and they probably didn't expect her to be at this stage, but she doesn't have a huge field. There's only five runners in that, so it looks like a nice opportunity for her to get back to winning ways. That's Jabara and Safari Dream for the Millmans, who've had a good year, and Oshin Murphy, um, who's, uh, uh, yeah, as you say, teams up well with them. So thanks for that for, Ro- for Ross. And um, TC, what have you got for us? Yeah, my nap is going to be Ablan and Solario Stakes, the 3.38 at Sandan. Obviously, already uh, talked about my reasoning, but I'll give some bite-sized chunks just for this section. Debut win at Newmarket was super impressive. I forgot to actually mention earlier, he didn't have cover for the majority of that race, so you can mark up the performance. And I think the runner-up's pretty decent despite losing next time up. Charlie Appleby often targets that race. He targets this race with a good two-year-old. I think Ablan <clears throat> is definitely in the bet in the Solario Stakes at 3.38 at Sandown. Uh, and the next best is going to be Lord Bertie in the 1.35 at Chester. Now, I was debating putting this horse up as the nap, but no jockey is booked at the time. So I was just holding fire a little bit. Um, the horse is declared, so hopefully we get a good rider on board. Um, he was in a very hot maiden first time up last year. Finished third behind a horse called Chaldean, who subsequently won the 2000 Guineas. The fourth was Silver Knot, who went on to win the 2022 Solario Stakes. And in fact, that race threw up eight subsequent winners, including Lord Bertie, who won on his second start in a really poor Foss last maiden. You know, he had he didn't have to improve to win that, but he won it nicely anyway. Then he came back off a long layoff, was heavily punted against a horse who was impressive the time before, and bolted up at first. It was a double um, double digit margin victory. It was super impressive, and he looked like a three year old going places. Yet the handicap has given him a mark of just 95. I think this horse is definitely a group horse in the making, if not a group horse already. Yeah, he's able to run in the handicap. William Haggis is phenomenal at placing his young horses, arguably the best, in my opinion, of any trainer in the UK at doing it. And he sends this horse all the way up to Chester, where he has a 25% strike rate with three-year-olds in the last five years. So providing we get a good jockey on board, Lord Bertie in the 135 at Chester is a confident next best. What do you think about Danny Tudhope? I'll take Danny Tudhope. I really would. Well, he's docked up as it stands. Anyways, they've got until one o'clock. But Danny Tudhope looks like a, a pretty nice um, a jockey booking from from my perspective. And yeah, he's that classic sort of three-year-old um, uh, coming into a handicap for uh, the William Haggis team. So um, uh, good, nice selection there. So Law Bertie and Ablan um, for TC. Um, I'm going to be at Chester as well um, in 3.20. We see the return of military order. I mentioned this earlier. Uh, William Buick is heading to Chester to take the ride on a horse who was 92 for the Derby. And whatever happened, he wasn't himself. We know that wasn't him. He ran completely flat. Again, at a time that Charlie Appleby's horses just weren't running that well. And I don't think they've necessarily improved. But if he can't win this, then there's something seriously wrong. This is a six-runner race. Lone Eagle is the next best in the field. And pretty good, solid yardstick and enough to, to compete against. But I, we haven't seen, he hasn't been winning for a long time. He was last seen well beaten by Quickthorne when everyone was. was. He, ran a, he ran ninth of 12 in the Gold Cup. He's, he's a horse that's been running over further than one mile, six and a half furlong. So it might be a bit sharp for him, whereas Military Order hasn't run over this, this trip before. He's a half-brother to... Um, a full brother to Adair. Uh, I can't see why he couldn't step up to this distance, but we know the form's there if you go back to that Lingfield Derby trial when he beat Wipero. So 
he he's going to be a short price. He's eleven to ten, around six to four, um, but he should be winning this. So that he's my nap. Um, and then going on to a race that I've got a bit of a soft spot for because we used to have a horse called Baltic King. He used to run in the Beverly Bullet a lot, um, and uh, it's on it's on Saturday at two forty at Beverly. Again, a disappointing field size. Seven runners, I suppose, fifty grand on offer, but there are so many good handicaps for these sprinters at the big festivals that I, I think a few horses have sort of opted up out of this but a horse that has literally sung every song dance every dance this season is Apollo one and he has to his credit ran blinders at Epsom at Ascot and at Goodwood being second wherever he goes he deserves a good day out he's gone up in the handicap um, I think it's now six pounds without winning um since uh the end of last year and um i think that this could be his race it seems a lot more straightforward than some of those bigger fields that he's that he's run in um which includes um running second in the stewards cup last time and any bit of rain might just help him as well but he's a very solid horse apollo one for the beverly bullet on saturday um so that's our naps and next bests and on quite a quiet sort of betting um weekend quite a quiet weekend but we're sort of building up i feel like it's the calm before the absolute group one storm that is irish champions festival the weekend after next so looking forward to um getting into the preview for that um but for now all new sb sbk users get 30 pounds in free bets when they say sign up and bet 10, 10 pounds for the first time to so make sure you avail of that uh, remember to subscribe to whichever podcast channel you listen to and we will see you next week